right, so how do I pronounce your last name? Bastion. Bastion. Yeah. Perfect. Hello, and welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of DFlash. Today, we are so excited to have Janet Bastion on the show. She has an amazing life story. She, hope, she is the first black woman to ever get a tech software patent, and we're going to have an amazing conversation. Take a listen. I am so thrilled to have you, Janet. You know, you are, I've, I've been reading and just being like falling all over how amazing <laughs> your life story is. And with our show, we always start with a very easy, non-controversial icebreaker <laughs> question. So that question for you is, what was your first job? My first job was in Huntsville, Alabama, and I worked at Jack's Hamburgers and Flipping Burgers. I started Flipping Burgers and I moved my way up to the cash register. Oh. And that was in the 70s, late 70s. Wow. <laughs> and how old were you? 16. And so how does one go from flipping burgers <laughs> to the cashier? <laughs> well, you do a lot of burgers and you're fast with it. And then the cashier calls in sick. So you have to flip burgers and run the cash register. So multitasking. Yeah. So skills that would become useful in your career going forward. The ability to take opportunities. Exactly. Multitask and be the smartest one in the room. <laughs> That's right. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. And, you know, when we always say that it's how do you figure out what you're going to do, what you're going to be, and your career is spectacular. So I think it's, it isn't, I'm not going to waste my time trying to give it your bio. Jet, tell us what you do and who you are. Well, I am the CEO, founder and CEO of Bashing Bash Corporation. I started the company in 1994. And it wasn't really something that I set out to do. It was something that I had to do. I was working for a claims company, and I had this idea about outsourcing workplace claims. And they were doing medical malpractice claims, and I said, but there's this, this new industry of employment claims. CEO liked the idea, and I was just in the right place at the right time. I went to the Urban League, you know, the convention, and I was telling them that I'm going to be investigating workplace claims and discrimination claims. And they said, well, there, there's somebody that you need to talk to. And they brought me over and I met this guy. He said, I work for Flagstar. And I said, Flagstar? I've never heard of Flagstar. He said, you probably know Flagstar, but you never heard that name. And, I, and so I, they said, well, we're going to uh, put you together with some people at the Justice Department. And I said, Justice Department? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? And that turned out to be the Denny's uh, issues, the customer complaints of discrimination. And Flagstar is a parent company. And luck would have you, they were looking for a claims company. And I was the one in the right place at the right time. There was nobody out there doing what I was doing. So you were the first one. Yeah. And, but the thing is, I was working for another company, and I brought the idea to the CEO. The CEO loved it, and especially since I'm bringing in a million-dollar client to begin with. But there was this thing about equity and money and all of that, and, you know, a $5,000 bonus just didn't seem like that was the right thing. Oh, hell no. <laughs> nope. Uh, no. <laughs> On a million dollars? Yeah. It, it was multi-million. It started off a million, but it, it ended up, uh, we had the entire United States, any complaints, customer complaints, the Justice Department ended up signing that consent decree, 
which, mean, which meant that Denny's had to send every complaint, customer complaints, to the organization that would be investigating those. So that was, you know, I don't know if you remember that. That was in the 90s, the early 90s. I might have been a little young, but yeah. I, I remember I remember. <laughs> I was hearing. a little young too, but I was <laughs> the right place right the time. time. But uh, as a result of that, I didn't like the 5,000. I decided I was going to do my own thing. So I called Justice and I called Denny's and asked them if they would send me some cases. And they said, well, are you set up? And I said, sure. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> out of my house? Yep. <laughs> I have a desk and a computer. No, I have to know. No computers then. No computer? No, so this no, is going to be no, by hand. No, no. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, my gosh. The, there was a check cashing store down the street from my house. And all of my cases, I, I cut a deal with him to get all the, the, the facts, you know, that's when the facts come in. Oh, my gosh. Uh, for my cases. And then, I, you know, I was going. I went to another trade show, and I ran into Compact Computer, and I actually met the general counsel there, and I said, "I'll do cases if you give me computers." And we bartered. And that was my first computer was through Compact. They we bartered for us doing work, and then after we had we had enough computers, I said, "Okay, now I'm still paying." Now you have pay. Yeah, Ross. Ross, I've. I never, I never thought it would work, and he's like, "Yeah, I think I can make that happen." <laughs> so rather than, and, and then I was able to convince some banker to give me fifty thousand dollars, so I mean, a lot of credit, with a handshake. That doesn't happen these days. I was gonna say like, <laughs> where bank were you going? Can I go there? Because like, I know that if I go to the bank and ask for twenty five thousand dollars, they're like, no. Oh, and, and so the fast was that a for- small community bank, or was it like no? This was not a small community bank, but in those days, it was you know if you knew somebody, you knew someone, and I got recommended, and I just had signed that agreement with the Justice Department. So they know when money was legit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so if, if I fast forward, you know, going forward, looking at uh, investigating claims uh, and workplace uh, harassment. Anita Hill came along, and this was, you know, this was 92. I started coming in 94, but Anita Hill, that happened in 92, so, so the workplace was really, there was a lot of activity there. And so, I, you know, I, I thought, okay, this is, I really got to get this moving because there's so much activity. And so I started reaching out to very large companies. And it got so bad that some companies would say, oh, we've got your, your material. We know who and I didn't, you are. Put my face, I didn't put my face on most of the things. I would always send just you know, letters. And I'll never forget my, my big account I got the Minex uh, here, here in New York. And it was, uh, it was Minex and then uh, Bell, mm-hmm. Bell Atlantic. Yep. I... The CEO, it was the CEO and the vice president there, Jackie Gates, who also happened to be African-American. She went to a meeting and she said, I've, just, I've been getting a lot of good information about this company out of Houston that can do these investigations for us. And she came into the meeting. Everyone in the meeting had a letter from me, a marketing letter. And so she said, okay. I get it. <laughs> they all were saying that because they were all challenged to go find, find somebody. And so the volume got to be so significant for me, and I said, there's got to be a better way of doing this. Paper is not the way of doing this. So you literally were, you were in your house, mm-hmm. and then you didn't have a fax machine. No. So you walked down the street to the check cashing place That's right. <laughs> to pick up the faxes, and right. then walk back to your house right. to do the claims yeah. by hand. Yes. That's amazing. And then how many pages were each claim? 
they were not that many, so it's like one sheet, but I would get 20 to 25 claims. That's a lot! And, you know, at first he was charging me, you know, a penny, five cents a, 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 a page. And then he said, you know, your little business is affecting my little check cashing. So, you know, in those days, uh, you know, Compact, they still fax me. So I, I was able to get, once I got my relationship with Compact, I was able to move like some software, please. <laughs> Not just <laughs> computers, but a printer. Uh, printer, fax <laughs> me, everything that I needed. But it was, I was still, I, I operated out of my house for about nine months. No, 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 no. I operated my house about six months because my son and daughter, one was, uh, my daughter was five and my son was three. And they used to crack me up every time, you know, they would come home from school. I would tell them, you know, I'm interviewed, quiet, quiet. But call waiting was my second line. So I would call in. And so they knew, even if they came home early, that they had to be quiet. And (laughs) I'd just cover things up. and, And then we'd have family time. So from the early on, they knew what work ethic and... And, and I saw my mom working. Yep. And, and, and saw the hustling so hard. Yeah, it's it it is. It's people think that because you are running a business, you can go to work when you want to work from your pajamas I, and yeah. all. And and you don't have the effort is not there and, and you know, you can go on vacation and all of that. And you're making all this money. But you know, when I hired my first employee, my first employee got paid before me. Yep, same here. <laughs> Look, I I think that there's a there's a this false glossiness of entrepreneurship. It's because of the fact that we have all these technologies now that make it so easy to start a business, as they say, mm-hmm. not realizing that those businesses are not going to go anywhere. Right. It's going to be the people who buckle down, do the work, who That's walk, right. and have, and make those sacrifices to actually make a business run. And you know, you may see, oh, this is amazing now, but like, you have no idea what to get here. Oh, that's that's right. Even when I, you know, I thought about the idea of software, the thing I was looking at is, okay, I'm not a software engineer. I know what I need, so I had to just map it out. You know, I had to write it out, little sticky notes, and okay, I wanted to do this, this, and this. And I had, you know, my cousin. Who happened to be a programmer and he graduated, he just graduated. Well, I guess he'd been out of school, he's older than me, so he'd been out of school about five years, graduated from Tufts and computer science. And I said, Donnie, you know, the young cousin, I'm going to develop this software, I need you to come work for me. And he's like, Excuse me, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's okay. and, and, <laughs> and I, said, like, yep. I, I said, We're going to, I, I want you uh, as I design because he knew nothing about claims he knew nothing i said as i design we need to go out and figure out which which uh what what coding we want to do you know and cold fusion at the time was like the best thing that was out there as far as coding and least expensive and it just was something that worked really well and the reporting that we needed all those things and i said but the thing i don't want it to be something that's on the desktop I want to be where you can be in New York or Houston or somewhere and you can see what's going on, what activity is happening with the claims. You want it in the cloud. I wanted a web-based application. It was called ASP at that time. And so it was a cloud. And then later on became software as a service. But in 2001, 
we were way ahead. We were way ahead of everyone else. It, wow. it absolutely was a cloud. It was a software as a services PAAS. It was all of those things. And you know, I was like, what are you talking about? You want someone when they call in to save it as a WAV file and, and to be able to hear, hear the recording. And so when I, you know, this was all, I see it was things that were possible, but you have to think outside of, of, of what everyone else, what's available. You yeah. have to think, okay, let's forward, let's think forward. Okay, what is what, you know, if I have a claim, I'm an employee, I want to know what's going on. I'm the employer. I also want to know what's going on. And then the Supreme Court came out and said employers need to investigate claims as they happen. You know, it was just uh, harassment claims, any type of claim. You have to have a, a process in place that is outside of the chain of command. So what better way to have a, a phone call, a hotline that's tied into the software. So I got all those pieces trying to tie it into the software. And to, and to ease up the paper driven process, I wanted to upload documents and make sure that you had a virtual case file so all this paper would go away. And In 2001? 2001. Which right now seems like, oh yeah, what I do every single day now. Yeah. But like 15 years ago, 16 yeah. years ago, nope. Yeah. Like we were barely, a, we were still a dial-up, right? That's right. And, the, and, and what's interesting is from the business standpoint and from the technology standpoint, when I filed the patent in 2001, it took them five years to vet the patent to see if there was anybody out there that had come up with something like this. And, you know, when you say first uh, to get a patent, it's to first get a web-based software. That's, that was the thing, you know, because there are other patents associated with, with, with like, you know, like instruments for your heart and things like that. But it wasn't technology. It was it wasn't web based, and so you know as I as I drew up all of the information, and I had an outside law firm, expensive process. Just so you know, if you really want to get it packed, I think the lawyer at Baker Boss was happier than me. Because he, <laughs> he's like, thank you for the billing. He called me on the phone when we got the patent. He said I was sitting down. I said no, and he I said no. He said sit down. You got your patent. And I was, I'll never forget it. It was, uh, it was Jan, well, May. Uh, everyone in the world knew about it. But January 2006. And, every, you know, it was out there. And I was like, really? And he said, and I don't think anyone like you has ever done this. And I was like, really? And he's like, he's like, yeah, UT was working on it and seeing how many out there. And he said, yep, you're it, Janet. And, and so I I, it was just surreal. I was so excited. I got a lot of publicity. And then it sits in that you've got to protect your patent. I was going to say, like, now it, it's great that we now have this. Yeah. Now to protect it. And, and to make money off of it. Oh, of course. <laughs> and so how does one make money off a patent? Like, well, it's, it's, it's real interesting. There's a lot. It's lots happening. One thing about a patent is, okay, you have to use it. You have to maintain it, and maintaining it means maintenance. You have to pay money to make sure, like I just paid $3,300, so it will continue, like I'm continuing to, to use it. If I missed that payment, it would invalidate the patent. And so it would come along and take it. Yes. So I have uh, alerts 
to just about every family member, every cousin, everybody to say, this is the date is due. So I had all these people saying, it's due this day, it's due this day. <laughs> you will not forget. If I, if I fall out anywhere, somebody's going to pay that to keep it in force. But, you know, you're trying to sell licenses to your software. And then you learn that someone else, where you did a proposal, has gotten a copy of your proposal and, and developed the same software. Whoa. And they're selling it to the federal government. And they're winning contracts. Lots of contracts. And you're saying, that can't be this. And so you finally go to a place where you can see it. And it was like two years after I got the patent that I actually saw it. And I said, time to file a lawsuit. So I filed my first lawsuit. I filed three lawsuits. Well, I have three lawsuits. They've all settled. Meaning that we didn't even do a discovery. They all... They knew what they they did was wrong. Well, you know, in in litigation, it's always a risk. Right. And whether you're right or wrong, it it doesn't matter. It's a cost-benefit analysis. Yeah, you've got to document everything. You know, you've got to you got to make sure you're you're signing these. You're making sure that your your employees, that people have had access. That NDAs you, up the yin yang. No, <laughs> I just I mean NDAs, all of those things. And you know, I um, I I went to this program at Harvard, and it's it's uh, called Women in Power. They were talking about policies and, and and things like that. And one thing I learned out of that, with all of the women that were involved in this program, is that. You know, women are are you know we're very caring, and sometimes we let down our guards. We're 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 aggressive, but we don't show it, and we're not you know we're just not a dogfighter, but we do protect our young. So we have something. Mama that's, bear. Yeah, <laughs> we have something that's ours. And I looked at all, and I noticed that's what all of us had in common. You know, the handbag maker that's on you know in our group her original designs we were all thinking about this is ours i'm going to protect protect it it. that's right so you have to get that about something that you spent your life blood sweat on absolutely that's amazing and were there times when you were going through the patenting process because i know that it's a long time to do where you're like i forget this i there were times when i was you know out there trying to get business and i always had that little patent pending right it didn't really mean yeah it didn't really mean anything at that point but it was patent pending and then at that time you don't have the patent and you really have to be careful as you present you have to be yeah you have to present but like yeah that's right i got to the point that i said let me see if you're really interested then i'll show you what it does right it was it's I, it was frustrating. It was frustrating because, you know, cash flow and, and there were, as an African-American woman, there were, I wasn't taken as seriously as as others. If you were a white guy, it would have been a whole lot different. Yeah. Like, that's, that's right. what's, that's, we can, we're honest here in the show. <laughs> that's well, let, let me tell you, uh, my husband is a white guy, and he said the same thing. He said, you know, if you're a white guy, this would be <laughs> different. And, and I... I don't know necessarily. I think the advantages were even if I was like, if I was Asian, I would have had a better chance. And the person who who did and and you know he when we settled uh, 
he said that he said, "Well, I'm not plead, I'm not saying that I'm guilty of anything. We just need, I just want to resolve it." He's Asian, and when I started my company, he was in high school, and and he didn't go to college, and not no exposure to civil rights. Well, I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. I was exposed to civil rights. This is equal employment opportunity. It's civil rights software. So. Who would you think would come up with some software that's about civil rights? <laughs> about civil rights? And someone who, who had no experience. There's nothing wrong with not going to college. He's just a tech guy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, and, and bragging about hacking. So I just, I was very, very um, surprised. And it was a life lesson that you have to pay the way, but you also have to be, you, you have to be ruthless when it comes to what's yours and what you worked hard for. So. Yeah, I think that's, oftentimes I think people get a little bit of a laissez-faire attitude about business, and it's like, no, yeah. you have to be mama bear, this is mine, I built it, it's my child, yes, and I will not have you come take it away from me, yes, and if you don't do that, because it also, that fire and passage is actually really important for when you're selling, right. because when people see that you have invested so much, that's right. if it comes down to you and somebody else, they're like, well, I know this person is going to put their blood, sweat, and tears, and I want to work with them versus right. this person who's just kind of like, I'm just smiling and dialing. Right. That's, and, you know, I talk about the $50,000 that I got from the banker, but before I got the $50,000 from the banker, my mother gave me $5,000. She didn't have that $5,000 to give. She had, she had, she owned her house, and she owned a Cadillac. She refinanced a Cadillac to give me $5,000. We still have that Cadillac. My mother, <laughs> my mother is gone, but that Cadillac, I said, I'll never, uh, my dad, and we were talking about that the other day, he said, you remember when she found it? I said, I sure do. Sent me $5,000. That was the most money I had at one time right. in my life. And so when I got that line of credit, you know, that was great, but I still said to my mom, you got this started for me, you know, and she said, you were a kid from the day one, you were always looking at Ideas. She was selling candy at school. I got a call from the principal. She can't sell candy until after lunch. Kids are spending their lunch money on Janet's candy. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, what? not my fault. They're hungry. <laughs> well, in those days, you got a, a six pack of Hershey's, and you could buy it for a dollar and forty nine. I would take that out the packet and break them apart. Break them apart and start selling them at school. Awesome. And so after I made some money off those, I reinvest. I get bigger packets. And I mean, I had you were salesman from the beginning. Oh, I had over a hundred dollars uh, at uh, tenth grade, over a hundred dollars in my bank account, and in tenth grade, you know, in the seventies, uh, over a hundred dollars. That was a lot, that of, a lot money. of money. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of Hershey's. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. And if you go thrifty, you, you can really decide. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So. Fantastic. Yeah. So, what would you say? Uh, how do you sort of describe where you are now? So you're. 16 years with the patent, you're paying your 3300 every year on the dollar. Well, the it's not, you know, it has, it's, it has like your three-year, your five-year period, your 11-year period. I, I have, you know, because it took them five years to grant the patent, they gave me an additional five years. You know, a patent is 20 years. So, you know, I have about 11 years left. So that's that's kind of where I am now. I still, I still have to look at infringers. I have quite a few infringers. 
and I don't get as many patent trolls, you know. Yeah, patent, yeah. They, they'll call you and want to want to buy the patent and go after infringers. You can still use it, but you wouldn't own it anymore. Yeah, you yeah. know. And I, I just, I have, I decided not to do that. Although it was, it was tempting at one time, but, <laughs> to, but today, I would say that I'm in a good space as far as feeling good. I thought about doing some more things with the patent, like there, you know, there you, you can look at enhancing it and, and trying to go for another one. I don't want to do that. I, you know, there's so much going on from my civil rights, from my EEL. I feel like my impact with the software can be something that that you know my the next generation can use, regardless of you know the patent and going away. I want to stay in this business. You know, sometimes I used to think I wanted to retire, but things have changed so much with regards to this particular area that I'm pa- passionate about that I'm not. You know, I just turn a certain age and <laughs> won't go 25. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is since mm-hmm. my son's 25. So, <laughs> yeah. But, <High> but <laughs> you know, uh, technology, it's, you just can't, have to keep reinventing yourself. And it's, you know, everyone said, oh, it's a young person, you know. I was texting before all the moms were texting. My kids hated that. And, and that's what you have to do. You have to keep thinking. Be ahead of the curve. Be ahead of curve. You have to do podcasts and, and look at ways to, to get yourself out there. But you cannot be this, this, this old-fashioned way of doing things. Like, you know, the law firms. The law firms figured out that they needed to have a web-based software patent. Because they were competing with me, and they were like, "Well, man, she's winning everything." That was one of my infringers I had to resolve recently. That you just have to keep pushing me, and like today, I feel a little comfortable in my skin, and I just want to encourage others. You know, I spoke at this one a group of girls who code, uh, and I was these like teenagers, and. I wanted to tell them that, you know, just don't let anyone discourage you about doing, doing your thing. Don't let make people make fun of you, you know, because you're, you're at a computer and you're doing this. Don't be intimidated about being in the engineering class with the boys or the computer class with the boys. Hell no. Yeah. I just want to keep encouraging and keep making money. I'm going down to the Silicon Valley and, and, and talking to folks down there, talking to professional people about technology getting more black kids into technology. It's, I mean, we are so creative as people. You know, you think about the dress, the dance, the music, the everything. Black Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's, uh, what, this, is, this is meant for how we, how we are. And I, I just want to encourage them to, to sit down, get a little group together, and start thinking what, you know, ideas. Just map them out. That's what I did. I just mapped. I started writing stuff down. I got a little notebook every day writing ideas down. I work up, wake up 3 o'clock in the morning. Idea. Write it down. You know, that's what you do. And then it just all, all kind of comes together. And just don't get discouraged. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's really important for people to understand that it's a long road. Yeah. And it's not a quick fix. That's what's different. You're right. Absolutely. Because I think this generation, they want it yesterday. Instant gratification. And and, and that's why that's why I've seen that they may not, they may not, be as challenged by the by going out and. And getting and working on technology, 
because it's, it's not going to have that instant gratification that they're looking for. If they, if they thought, oh, I can I, you know, I'm gonna be a multimillionaire, the, the unfortunate thing is they have Facebook and they have all of these, the Twitter and all these people that have made lots of money at a young age, and they think that's how it has to be, or not at all. Right. And you know, my and I son the other day, he said, I'm so old. And I said, you know, Drew, if I was 25, you know, when I was, you know, when is 25? <laughs> what? I know. I was like, old. So, yeah, I, I do think they just need to pause. And, but, yeah, if they're not willing to put the effort in, you know, they're going to be very disappointed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's one thing you wish you knew now that when you were first starting out with this business that you wish you had known? Oh, my goodness. If I... If I knew now, one of the things that I would have done is, is spend a lot of time selling, and more time selling. I spent a lot of time working on the cases and things like that. I, I should have spent more time selling the software out there. You know, I, got, I let someone get more competitive advantage on me, even though I ended up suing them. And now, <laughs> and now they can use the software. But... If you have something important like this, you just have to you just have to make sure that you you, you have a vision, you're you're a visionary and you and it's it's really hard if you are if you're in a place in time and you know, no one can see the future. So for me, the thing that I wish I wish I had just invested in that sales team invested in the marketing game, the business development. And yeah, we get a big contract. My first, the largest contract that I signed up until, you know, I just signed a contract with Homeland Security, $20 million. That was a big contract for me. But before that, (laughs) well, before that, the first big contract was General Motors. And that contract lasted until they filed for bankruptcy. You never, 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 if I can say this a million times, just rest on your laurels. Right. You have to keep, the hustle has to keep going. And Act that, like you don't even have it still. Exactly, exactly. And, and I was just fortunate to win another contract after that bankruptcy because that was a big deal. That was my bread and butter. You need to have more bread and more butter always, so don't get... Don't have yourself in just You one. can't have one sandwich. You gotta have multiple sandwiches. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ham, turkey, all yeah. that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Some you say here, yeah. some turkey, some yeah. clubs. That's, that's <laughs> right. And national presence, not, I always did the national presence over just the, the local South, Southland. But yeah, that is, you know, that's probably the biggest thing to me is to, that, that business development, that sales team, mm-hmm. having that in place. That's probably. That's more important, you know, of course, the CEO, all of those people, the financial people. But there's nothing to manage, no money to manage. I've got a client. I have a client. That's right, that's right. And, and I'm not a cocktail uh, entrepreneur. I, I am, you know, I don't go out, you know, I don't do a lot of these. I, I really don't. I, I, I'm very selective. If you go on the internet, you'll see a few things. But there are times when I could have really pushed, you know, I, I ain't 500. I, you know, I could have been out there saying, oh, yeah, this. 
No, I always kind of, I wanted things to be quiet, um, quietly, because a lot of times when they see you, people try to knock you down. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so sometimes you can you work that business bell and put the right face there. Yeah, they can go do that. Well, I, I, many times I sent out my white husband to <laughs> just to sell, and and somebody else that didn't look. I I didn't. I really did not put my uh, picture on things until much later. Uh, you know, like the 2000, 2000 It was probably about two thousand four. But and I had been in business ten years, and there was shock when I would come in to meetings and see, and then they'd be like. Oh, I had one person, she's my VP of business development, uh, tall, blonde, very attractive woman. They always went to her and said, hi, Janet. And uh, she would say, oh, this is Janet. <laughs> um, it happened all the time. Oh, Jennifer, she still talks. She's a VP at, a, at an oil and gas company now. She always, she'll tell you that. She'll, she'll say how many times they came over to her. Oh, me. I I have been there. <laughs> I have been there. It's like, but it's in, it's the, it's in the twenty tens now. Yeah, y'all have Google, and I still have people who are very confused when they meet right, me, right. and I'm like, or if I get a referral somewhere. But see, you think about Google and all that stuff wasn't around. That's what I'm saying. And, and so we were the brochure was the thing that sold you. And so when as the internet developed, uh, you know, I, it, yeah, it had been like two thousand two, two thousand three. And so as the internet came around, you know, you had to have some PR to get your picture on the internet. Right. And so for a while, you know, I didn't have to worry about that. But then I said, okay, I, you know, it's going to be, I'm going to be out there. And then Wikipedia came and someone said, oh, you got to do a Wikipedia page. And so I just said, that was a bad thing about Wikipedia. I can't hide my age anymore. <laughs> you can hide your age. Yeah, but, but there, everybody can Google you, me and say, oh. No, she had. <laughs> you, you can edit that. Yeah. Yeah, there, there are ways around yeah, that. Yeah. I, 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 the truth will always set you free. I'm all, I, all, any press that I'm going to ever get, they're not going to be able to ever come back and say, oh, that's not true. That's, I just go with it. You know? You know, I'm not like certain people out there. Subtracting 25, and, yeah. and you're like, yeah. now I know black don't crap, but really. That's right. That's that's a, that's a, yeah, or either they'll have on their Wikipedia page. It says that she may be born reportedly. In, reportedly. Born in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep mine. I'm gonna keep myself off of my pay page as long as I possibly can. <laughs> nope to self. Because no one knows how old I am, and that's a good thing. It, there's like a ten year window of how old I put away everybody, and I'm yeah. like, gonna keep it that way. Yeah, I I I'm I'm pretty excited. You know, I, in February I turned sixty. And I said, you know, I look back, if I don't do anything else, I think about, oh, yeah, okay, I did that, I did that. But then last year, before I turned 60, there's this program at Tulane Law School, and I said, oh, they got a jurisprudence in labor and employment, the area that I focus on. And I told my husband, I said, I'm going to go to that program. And he's like, you're 59. I said, so? You never stop learning. Never I graduate. I graduate, and I will be graduating in May from Tulane Law School. Fantastic. Yeah, so, uh, with a jurisprudence and labor and employment, and everyone thinks you just don't. And I tell my son, I said, you know, maybe I want to get a PhD. And he said, Mom, 
you know, that's enough. And I was like, like nope, no. And then, and then maybe I want to run for president. <laughs> and they just laughed. And I, but, but they laughed and I said, I'm about to develop some software. So right. you just never... You just never know. <laughs> I will vote for you in a heartbeat. You know why? I always make this joke about the fact that, like, <laughs> if you give a black woman a task, she will figure it out. That's right. So if you want to... Like, there be people don't talk, challenge don't, us. Don't test us. Because right. we, will, we will do it. That's right. And that's why everyone's like, talking about you know, Kamala Harris. And it's like, yeah, because you know what? She did not back down. That's it's right. like It's in our lifeblood. That's as, right. As black women, because we oftentimes get treated the worst. Well, you know, I, I I totally agree. I look at how Michelle Obama, someone who extremely educated, articulate, smart, I mean, had everything there. And for for people to say, oh, look at this new, we finally got a great... Classy first lady. Uh, yeah. Like, and, oh. I, and I, you know, and, and nothing against the... Current one is just that there is this thing that that as African American woman that has worked very hard. Education has been a big part of my life, and to uh, to be ignored because you know the color of my skin. I'm just I'm just not going to have it. Nope. And then growing up in the South, I think there's a difference too. I know these New Yorkers, these those Yankees, but growing up, everybody has an Alabama, Mississippi relative. It's, it's tough in Alabama. It made you really strong, and then you moved to a state like Texas. It made you even stronger. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think it's. I think it's so key. So you've got all this stuff going on, and then you were just talking to me about this nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So what is that? Because apparently, you, Dad doesn't want to sleep ever, 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 ever. Well, you know, I. I, I guess it was you know in school. And I said, there's, there's still something that, that I need to do. Some kind of, I need to contribute. And after the election, every, it's like everyone had something. They had this something that they felt after the election. And I just looked at, I know I've got statistical data on women and how women are treated in the workplace and, and pay equity. And it's a huge difference. You know, uh, women of color, uh, you know, it's 55 Jesus. cents on a dollar. Oh, it's For white women, it's 80 cents on a dollar. And, and I, I was at a program and someone said, how do we change that 80 cents on a dollar? And I raised my hand and I said, wait a minute, you at least got 80 cents. Can, us, uh, can we get to, to 80 for our 50, 55? Hispanics are right there with us, you know, $5, I mean, five, uh, yeah, it's like $5 difference. And I said, uh, I said, there's got to be something. So I came up with this idea. It's called uh, Women in Power. Well, actually, it's empowering us. And but it was I was tying it to to women in power. Women, you know, trying to encourage us. So empowering us. And I, you know, I just I saw these women that women's march. And I said, look at all of those women in these pink hats and all of that. And I saw the names out there, and I said, oh, empowering us. And I said, I need a good tagline. And I kept saying, uh, you can totally tag- say it. Yeah. You can totally say it. <laughs> I need a good tagline. And, and, I, and, and it just, I, just, I just saw it out there, and I said, okay, empowering us, the pussy effect. Damn right. <laughs> Damn right. I said, this is who we are. 
you know what? You're going to call us that. We're going to be that. But we'll be, we're, we're Own gonna it. Be take strong. it back. I'll take it back. Yeah. It's strong. Yeah. Brings yeah. kids in the world. Well, Hello. Well, that's you own it. Take, it. take take ownership of it. You know, the N-word was something that was used against. We took ownership of it. No, no one would use it. You take ownership, and then you, and, and then you all of a sudden, you control your destiny. And it's no longer, you know, you, are you saying that behind his back? I'm saying it in front of you. And it really is going to be an effect on you because we're going to take charge. We're not going to take this pay equity difference. I just know too many smart women out there that work hard every day. And then I talked to someone and he said, well, the man came in and asked for more money, even though this a woman is as qualified. So it's, that's something that I want uh, to work on as well. So I have my company over there, but I said, there's got to be some philanthropic things I can do to empower women. And so I started looking around and talking to different people, and everyone's like, yeah, Jen, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go for it. So that's something that I plan on doing. Fantastic. Janet, it has been an absolute delight to have you on this show. I I feel like I'm fired up and ready ready to go take on the world uh, even more so than I already am. Um, But you've been a wonderful guest, and I encourage everyone to follow you on Twitter and just read this just read about what you Jenna was able to do and how she's been able to be such a fantastic success but I think we we need more voices like yours we need to hear them over and over again because that will empower people to move forward thank so you so I'm so thrilled to have you're, you thank you so here us roar you remember Hillary there's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> roar awesome thanks again thank you great to have you on the show Jenna thank you